Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of the European VC. Today, you will not be hearing David's beautiful voice, but only that of mine. And for that reason, I will not spend too much time introing this, but only tell you that you're about to listen to an episode where we're going to talk about parental leave in BC. And also, of course, a lot related to parenthood in general. We're talking to Peter and Seda from the great Target Global team. And I would just kindly ask all of you to really listen through this episode and use it to reflect a bit about your own policies and your own stance on this. Target Global is one of the largest and most successful technology investment firms in Europe with more than 3 billion under management and a portfolio of well-known industry champions like Revolut, WeFox, Delivery Hero, AutoOne and many others. We're joined by Peter Roos, COO of Target, and he joined the firm three years ago to build out their Middle East activity. Since then, Target has made several investments in the region, including Fresha, Tarabu, Gateway, and helped their portfolio expand to the region with companies like Rapid opening up local offices. And most recently, Target also opened up an official office in Abu Dhabi. Peter is an experienced operator, having held senior roles at Johnson & Johnson, as well as having led diversified industrial businesses in both Germany and Austria. Seda, on the other hand, is head of marketing and comms, and she joined Target two months pregnant in January 2022. And she's responsible for ensuring that Target and its portfolio shine at every single opportunity. And what a work she does. Prior to Target, she spent 12 years advising private equity firms and hedge funds like Apollo, Pershing Square, and their brand positioning and corporate reputation. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving us a review, and following the European VC on LinkedIn. And now, some words from our beloved sponsors. How are you currently reporting to your LPs? Is fund administration taking hours? Are you getting lost in spreadsheet version control? Well, Flow solves all of these issues and more, allowing you to unlock the power of your fund's data by consolidating your work streams onto Flow. Book a demo to learn about Flow's portfolio and fund management features and transaction infrastructure at flow.io forward slash VC. F-L-O-W-W forward slash VC. Discover the tech and investment opportunities fueling growth across UAE, MENA and APMEA regions at Expand, Northstar and Jitex Global. Now the world's largest tech and startup event. Join 1,400 exhibiting startups and 1,000 investors at Dubai Harbour from the 15th to the 18th of October 2023 to scout for your next big deal, connect with other investors and meet public and private stakeholders to elevate your fund goals. Co-located with Fintech Surge and Future Blockchain Summit and in association with Jitex Global, you'll be serviced with an agenda over four action-packed days with a curated meetings program, the invite-only investor forum, the venture studio and accelerator summit, and additionally exclusive satellite events for fund managers in town. Don't miss out and register now at expandnorthstar.com forward slash EUVC. All right, everybody. 
Now let's jump into the famed post that we just spoke about and hear Seda's voice telling us exactly how it sounded when she came back from maternity leave. Today is my first day back from maternity leave. And although I rarely post anything on social media, I thought that my experience was an important one to share. Oftentimes, the financial services industry, particularly venture capital, gets a bad rap for what's perceived as a macho and male-dominated culture. Many firms are proud to vocally espouse values such as inclusivity, good work-life balance, and equality, but the numbers speak for themselves. An estimated 40 to 50,000 women per year lose their jobs whilst pregnant or on maternity leave. And just last year, the share of employers offering paid maternity leave beyond what is required by law fell to 35% from 53% in 2020. So, as you can imagine, when I saw the clear blue strip turn pink in the midst of my interviews with Target Global back in 2021, emotions were mixed. When it looked like I was going to get an offer around that Christmas, I was already on my seventh week of pregnancy, and I made the decision to break the news to Target's leadership team, who were practically strangers at the time, before I even told my own mom. Given the company didn't have a maternity policy in place at the time, I interpreted it as an indication of how the news would be received. However, this was one of those times in life where I was humbled by how wrong I was. I was met with hearty congratulations and excitement about the upcoming addition to my family and was told that this was the perfect opportunity for Target to develop their own maternity policy. Peter Roos and Anke Erdolp worked tirelessly to understand what kind of support women needed during this period, culminating in a brand new maternity and paternity policy that is truly world-class and something I've been blessed to benefit from. Navigating a new job is challenging enough without your hormones going crazy all over the place and growing a little human inside of you, but the incredible and genuine support that I received throughout the past year is something that's blown me away. The experience has taught me that all working moms or moms-to-be out there deserve an employer whose values and culture are far more than perfunctory words. The harsh reality is that maternity leave is the point at which we lose women from the workforce. Career stall and gender-based inequality really kicks in. Having it all is virtually impossible, but an employer who's committed to helping you at least try and is willing to take a chance on you is like finding a diamond in the rough. Special thank you to Shmuel, Yaren, Mike, Peter, Anke, Annette, Donna, Ricardo, Bowie, Lena, Pedro, Ben, and so many others for leading by example and empowering me as a mom that's raising the next generation of strong women. Very excited to be back in action and look forward to catching up with many of you over the coming weeks. I love that post, Seda. And when I saw it, I think pretty much right away, I reached out to you and said, we need to do an episode on this. I think it's a topic that we need to cover on the European VC. And it's a topic that I think many will be very interested in, in, in getting to understand more. But Seda, before we dive into everything, congrats on your little one. Thank you so much. And it's great to be on here. I was not expecting the reach out about this, but it's a, you know, it's a topic that's very close to my heart. So I'm excited to talk about it. I'm a father of two and I'm in, so I am blessed with a wife who is more of a family minded person than me or at least is ready to dedicate more of her time, which our kids for sure need. So I am also definitely in a situation where I must say, I think that this is a topic that we need to talk more about. And I'm, you know, I'm just lucky to be with someone who's viewing family life a bit differently than I am. But say that when you saw that strip turn pink, 
what were the thoughts that you went through your head? Because I'm sure I get, you know, you've got all the joy in your heart about being pregnant, but I can only imagine what that feels like when you're then also in the middle of, the, you know, job interview with the probably the, one of your dream firms. I, I think Target Global is one of the firms that everyone wants to get into, right? I mean, you know, it's a good question. And I think you're really lucky to have such a supportive partner because, you know, you're right. Like, I think in a relationship, like one partner ultimately ends up taking on a bigger chunk of the responsibility. Like if it works out 50-50, that's amazing. But unfortunately, depending on how demanding both partners' jobs are, it's not always possible. So yeah, I was definitely excited. I love kids. It's also my second child. And, you know, the first thing I thought was like, oh, that's amazing. And then literally the next second I was like, oh my God, what am I going to tell Target? So, you know, maybe that's not the right reaction, but like, I just want to be very honest. Like it definitely crossed my mind and I'm sure it crosses many women's minds, which is like, you're you're trying to balance, like, that's amazing. I'm growing my family, but wait, how is everyone going to take the news? And I kind of really hope we get to a point where everyone is going to be confident that no matter, like, even if you're pregnant with triplets, people are going to be like, oh, wow, amazing news. Can't wait to like meet them all. And yeah, maybe we're getting there, but I don't know if we're fully there yet. Triplets always, that that scares anyone, I think. <laughs> Peter, do you want to come in for a comment on this? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, first of all, it is very rewarding. And instead, I had a pre-discussion Obviously, before we sit down here with you guys, and thanks for having us. It's really, I really appreciate it. So, look, I think hearing or reading a post like the one of Seda is actually can be the most rewarding thing of an employer because we all have a small part to play. And I think if we can, as an employer, do and contribute a small part to make family life better and make ourselves a more modern and attractive employer for women that can combine career and can also have children. That is something that I find personally extremely rewarding, to be honest. Now I have a question, and it goes to both of you, because you saw, Seda, that mm, there's a lack of a maternity policy here, so that's probably a pretty clear sign of how the partnership will receive it. I think that's probably the situation for, if not most, then at least a lot of the firms in Europe, that there's not a policy in place. Some of it might be connected to their size and them not being at a professionalization level where they've gotten to that point yet. Venture in Europe isn't that old after all, and many shops are three-person and a dog shops. But still, you know, in the absence of having a policy, I'd be curious to hear your take, both of you. How should VCs think about this? What can they do if they haven't done a policy yet? Or is your take, just get that policy done? It's not that much work. Setting a bit the context, I think it is also important to understand where in Europe you are because the law is very different and you will have a few jurisdictions where simply, you know, talking about Austria, my native country, or Germany, or even France, where, you know, basically the law provides already a relatively generous maternity policy. And I think where there you need to step in is probably a bit more on the parental leave side where you need to say, what options can I give to the father to complement the legal situation? But I think if you then look at other jurisdictions, such as the UK and many other countries in Europe, the situation is a bit different. And what was really driving us, I mean, we started in Berlin. So, you know, traditionally our team was covered pretty well by law. And I think, you know, if this is the jurisdiction that you operate in, maybe, you know, there is less of an urgency in developing a parental leave policy. But I think for us, it was really like 
that we've reached a certain size and we've reached the coverage during certain jurisdictions. And one thing that, we were, that were very important to us as an international employer was also to have a certain standard established, kind of a minimum threshold. And what was important for us was that we basically step in as an employer where we feel the law doesn't cover enough. And the idea was in the end, when SETA joined and we said we have more team members for who this became relevant, we started to work, to have a discussion about making sure that we, as an employer, support a guaranteed minimum standard. And this is how our policy operates. We step in where we feel the law is not covering sufficiently for making sure that you can successfully combine family life and professional life. And I think you mentioned something important there, which is also the manage, management's stance towards you know, family in, in general. And I'd love to ask you a bit about that, because that, of course, is you know, where we're, we're all struggling in the day-to-day to make sure that we're giving everyone the room that they should to be humans as well as employees. And I'd love to ask you both, how do you think about that? How do you deal with it at Target and make sure that it's more than just a policy? I think the policy is just the beginning, or maybe it's differently. Maybe it's a chicken or egg topic. Maybe it's a mindset topic, right? And I think, and I'd love to also ask Seda to kind of chip in here a bit. I think what is important is, I mean, having the policy is one thing, but then living it is another thing. What you will often see is you have, in theory, a parental policy, and then but fathers are being frowned upon actually taking time off, or you have a situation where uh, there is a policy, but it doesn't cover all aspects, and then there's no flexibility. I think what is for us, the target is much bigger, and what stands above the whole thing is the spirit and the commitment of the firm to say, we want to be an employer where women and men can combine family life and professional success. And I think this spirit and flexibility is something that needs to come from the very top of the leadership and needs to be lived and demonstrated every way. So I think it is much more important than just having a policy. I have to be honest, like, it's a very personal decision whether people have families or not, but I have to be like very reassured by the fact that when I met these guys, they all had at least two kids. Some had three kids. Like, and so I had to believe that on some level they wanted to have a family because you can have one accident, but three seems like a lot, you know? So I just assumed it meant, yeah, they, you know, they're committed to building their own families and they understand that like, it takes two to tangle, right? So if they're building their own families and building their careers, the women should be able to do the same thing. And I was reassured by the fact that they really put their like actions where their words were, you know, they weren't just saying, yeah, we really care about family. Great that you're doing this. They were also doing it. And so it made it easier and it made it seem more possible. I'm curious because I'm trying to think about this in terms of Target being a larger firm and definitely some funds being smaller. Have you, and I'm sure that both of you, given your work on this as well, have spoken to many that that are, you know, you know, smaller firms, but are thinking about this. And what you always hear from smaller firms is, well, you can't really lose someone. And then they use that for all kinds of, you know, apologies for not being progressive. Do you ever hear that in the market? Do you hear anyone saying that? And how do you respond to it? First of all, I think it does make a difference for people and you see that and it actually pays a dividend. So apart from the fact what I mentioned when we started our conversation that it is personally extremely rewarding and heartwarming to actually hear or read a post like Sedas, I think we recently actually had an employee that had an offer from a competing firm and he stayed because he said, you guys have a parental leave policy, he's an expecting father. So I would kind of call out to people to 
say, apart from the fact that I think it's more than just having a policy. And if we're honest, you know, doing the policy doesn't, like, it's not something that you cannot do. It's, I think, something you, you can make a priority. And I think it is worth making it a priority, not only because it's the kind of set of values that you want to demonstrate to your employees, but it can actually pay dividends, like in the case that I just described. So I think we all choose what we do every day and where we spend our time on. And maybe this is a topic that is sometimes underestimated, or maybe for some firms, it's not in their values. But I do believe that there is not only like almost an obligation as an employer to kind of support this change in society, but I think it is also, it can actually also pay off and it can be time and money well spent. So in our research for this episode, we came across Carolina Kung's article from Frontline, and it was purely on maternity leave. And what she focused on was really trying to figure out how to set up a framework for firms to think about how to develop the mat leave policy. And we'll, of course, put this in the show notes, as well as also your own considerations in that connection, because I think it's incredibly important. So anyone listening and wanting to hear more about this, go check out on, on, on EUVC when we launch the episode. But in the framework, she states that the most important points to consider are time at full pay, so weeks paid versus weeks unpaid, time at statutory minimum, meaning how much salary you're going to receive in this period, time unpaid, holidays, do you accrue them or not, bonus eligibility, pension and carry, and maternity leave slash paternity leave share. So how much do you get if you're a mother versus how much do you get if you're a father? I'm curious, is that framework missing anything? And how did you think about these individual elements? But maybe let's start in the beginning and say, your grand scheme of you know, considerations here, how do you think about it when you see this? I think that there's a lot of important boxes that are being ticked here. But again, I think it is very much about the spirit. And before we actually talked about the hard facts and what we want to do and what we're going to do in terms of compensation. I mean, apart from the fact that we actually did a lot of research on what is, you know, policy in other firms, what is best practice, what is the difference in different countries, what is the, the minimum that is guaranteed by law. But apart from that, we thought, what is what kind of organization do we want to be? And I think here the point is, we first of all wanted to make it very clear, and that goes to a lot of the points that you said, a mother or a father should not be punished at work for having a child. I think that is something that is very important. I think we all know, and being a father myself, and I think Sela can testify to that, it's a hell of a lot of work. So if anything, I think your employer should, as far as possible, make it easier for you and not harder. So, you know, for us, like breaking carry vesting or, you know, taking away people's bonus, which kind of may make them feel rushed, they need to come back to work or cutting their salary was something that was kind of off the table. But for us, even more important was like, it is sometimes the small things that are potentially not even in the policy, right? And they are maybe missing here. It is allowing a father to take his wife to an appointment with a doctor, right? Which is something that is maybe a small thing for a firm to do, right? The guy is out for two hours and it's usually people that work beyond office hours. And, you know, for people, it can be a big thing. Or, you know, sometimes something that is often not talked about very openly in society, you know, things don't go so well. So what if there is a miscarriage? Is there a grievance leave? Or can people go to, you know, antenatal classes? So for us, it was really like first the spirit, then the policy. And I think there's a lot of things that we've put into the policy that are not necessarily related to what you mentioned. I mean, these things obviously need to be ticked, but there's a lot of other things. And I'd love to hear, Heda, Seda, how you found that helpful. But for instance, we've introduced a mom-body program which effectively one mom that has actually gone through this experience 
in Target Global is kind of the body of another mom kind of advising her. We've also taken a structured onboarding and offboarding process so people get up to speed and they can hand over things when they leave for maternity or paternity leave. We've also done something like a program where people have regular check-ins with the firm so that they don't feel that they're left out. You know, I mean, this is a very fast-paced industry and we felt that it was good that actually we have regular check-ins and colleagues take people up to speed. You know, it's sometimes a phone call or it can be something where someone comes to the office for a quick coffee, maybe even with the child. So it is really these small details that are potentially not covered by the framework that you mentioned that I hope that makes our policy a bit different and makes it more human and more flexible. I mean, like also just touching upon what you said earlier, like about small firms using the size of the firm as a reason to not invest in a policy. I mean, I think as we've all discovered in our careers, you know, people think they're irreplaceable until they're not. And, you know, I think if a team is willing to put in the effort to like close the gaps and say like, you know, please enjoy this time off, we'll fill in on this. It's not part of our job, but we're all in this together. Like, that sense of camaraderie can only come from culture. So yeah, like you can write down as many things as you want, but you actually need people to follow through and be like, what can I do to make sure that your maternity leave is as smooth as possible? Like, what can I do so that you're as great of a husband as you can be to your partner when they have a baby? Yeah, like I really felt that from this team. And I didn't expect to, I have to be honest, because like the four founders originally were all male. Now, like the leadership team is very mixed. We have seven partners total, I think, and two are female. We've just made two partners female. And I love the direction that we're growing in as a firm. You know, I thought there would be a male centric attitude, which is like work first, family second. And I was happy to discover the opposite. I'd love to ask about that work first, family second part, because it's something that I often find myself talking to to, to people about, which is. If you're in venture, you pretty much often live and breathe venture. And the way I put it is, it's not work first and family second. It's just that the two are so intermixed. And and I think that you've also spoken a lot about that here, that it's about giving that flexibility to say, well, if I need to go to ballet class with my daughter during work hours, it's not necessarily a problem, really, because I'm, you know, we all know that I'm working hard in the evening. So if I'm away three hours in the middle of the day, that's not what we care about. What we care about is the deliverables and whether your head is in the game and everything. I'd love to hear your take on that and how you talk about that as a leadership team in Target. I think this is a very important point that you're making. And I think there needs to be a common understanding that there is not a stigma in terms of leaving early, right? There needs to be enough trust and culture in the team that. Everyone understands that they are hardworking, right? I think there is no one that has a concern in our office that people are not hardworking. But I think in order to create this culture, and I think we all know culture eats a strategy for breakfast or policy maybe in this case, I think the reality is that you need to live and brief it every day and people need to see it. So I think it is also our job as leadership of the organization to do these kind of things because then people feel it is actually okay to do something that is very important for me. And I think what I think makes Target for me and maybe sort of since I joined the very special places that, of course, we expect a lot from our people, but I think we also give them good sense of autonomy and freedom. And I think this is the spirit that exactly what you mentioned in terms of what counts as the deliverables and not sitting in the office, right? And I think if you treat people as mature human beings, usually they act like mature human beings. And I think this is what you see, right? So if you give them 
freedom and I mean we all work at a certain level, then people will not abuse it. And I think again, it is a mix of demonstrating and walking the talk every day. And I think this is the most important thing because I would argue coming back to your earlier point, just having a policy which is a piece of paper is not gonna cut it. It is much more about the culture that embraces this policy than the policy itself. Could I ask you, Peter, just to give us the top line info on the company policy that you have? Because I think it's very interesting and we'll put this, of course, in the in, in the show notes as well. But I think it's super important that people, you know, they hear us, you know, espousing all these great values. But what does that mean when it comes down to that piece of paper that we're quick to say isn't that important after all? But, you know, I think it's worthwhile just stating for everyone to hear. I think the underlying understanding is that every expecting mother has five months of fully paid maternity leave. And I think, again, the way this operates is in there are some countries where it's fully paid by the government. Um, and then there are some countries where, for instance, in the UK, where like after three months, it, the government pay decreases, and then we step in and basically cover the difference. Equally, we have two weeks of paternity leave. So young fathers get to spend the first two weeks with their children, with their family, you know, helping out, bonding with the child. And then I think I've touched upon, and then of course, the hard facts we talked about before is like, uh, holidays remain untouched, they keep it growing. We don't have any issues with or any changes in the vesting of the, of the carry. There is no, you know, bonus cuts or anything like that. So basically, people are completely compensated as if they were working and the same applies for all the other benefits, insurance and everything. So people are really put in the same situation from a compensation perspective as if they were working full time. I mean, and then I think a couple of the other things that I mentioned before is there's a structured on and off boarding. There is a body program. There is a, you know, weekly or bi-weekly check-in. I remember I was checking in with Seda because she had a massive fear of missing out, calling me always about what was happening at the firm. So I had to, you know, it was at least done in a structured way and we could keep her away from the workplace. Then, of course, as I said before, there's the less fortunate aspects of, you know, parenthood sometimes where you say, uh, you know, if there's an adoption, of course, then, you know, we also support and treat an adoption like we do treat a naturally born child. If there's a miscarriage, there's a grievance leave for that. So these kind of things are, are the stuff that goes around the policy and, and around the pure compensation package, which obviously matters to people as you rightfully said. The reality is it is kind of lonely, like being the parent that like is used to traveling the world and like going to important meetings and suddenly like your day and night revolves around like feeding a baby and changing a diaper. So I definitely look forward to my catch-ups with Peter. And I would always want to know like all the little bits like, oh, like what's happening in this office, in this office? Because Peter like has a very fortunate position where like he's based in middle in the Middle East, but he gets to travel to all the offices because he needs to make sure everything is working. So He's the perfect person to get like a pulse of how the company is doing. And he made me feel like, you know, I didn't miss anything at all. And like, I'm very grateful for that. I actually had two buddies, which is even better. Like Peter was my official buddy. But then he was like, I think you need another buddy, a female perspective. And I was like, do I need this many buddies? He was like, yes. And actually that worked out really well because Anke was my second buddy and she had already had a baby the year before. And even though this was my second child, it was my first baby at Target. So she was always like reassuring me. She was like, I know it's very important, everything you're doing, but just relax, like take a break. Always good to hear it from someone rather than being like, so when are you coming back? Now I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here. While you're looking and set two weeks of fully paid paternity leave, I thought, huh, isn't there something with an EU directive that says 
men will now receive 24 weeks of the leave. And if it's not taken by the father, it is lost by the child. I am hugely opposed to this law or directive. But what the EU is doing there is really pushing us all towards giving men more leave. And I've always thought that, well, anything voluntary I love, any, anything that is less voluntary, I'm quite a big opponent of. But I'm curious, when you see that 24-week by the EU being what they're pushing us towards, and then your two-week mark, does that make you, give you cause to think maybe we should look at that balance? Yeah, I think definitely. And I, I can guarantee you there was a lot of debate around this topic. And I think if you think really progressively, you could say that it should be the same. If you really want to be like on the same, if you will even go to extremes, right? I think the point here was, and again, I think this is the spirit of our policy in general. We wanted to set a minimum standard across our offices. And I think the important point here for us, especially with the topic of parental leave, right? And I mean, let's let's park the topic for regulation for a second because that's a very different discussion. And I'd be happy to have this conversation with you because I have a very clear opinion here as well. But I guess that's out of scope for this conversation. I think we wanted to make sure that fathers actually take this leave. And we know that there is a very strong tendency, and I've seen that in, in previous employers, that either you're in a situation where the company actually, as I said, frowns upon fathers taking it and saying, ah, why is this guy actually going? It's a bit of a softy thing. He shouldn't be. And I think that for us, it was important that this is a policy, again, coming back to what we said before, that is lived and breathed. And we thought that two weeks is a good starting point. Is that where I would like to see us in five years? Potentially not. But I think to us, it seemed much better than having two months, three months, and people don't take it and potentially don't take a parental leave at all or a paternity leave in this case. And I think this is the reason why we opted for this version, which is for me, certainly not the final stop, but which is something that we really see that is, is done now across the organization on all levels and people stick with it. And I think that is a very important step towards the right direction. Is it the final step? I don't think so. I mean, I think like also it's important to note that for a long time, this like the whole concept of family leave was very stagnant. Like if you were a child raised in the 80s, 90s, even the beginning of the 2000s, this wasn't even an option for our parents. Like everyone left at the house at eight and came back at six, like and every single day. There was no working from home, no flexible working. Like, you know, that really was the reality for several decades. So now that this pace of change is so swift, like, I think that this is a good starting point. And I think like, you know, I took the full five months, like I didn't think about taking less. And I think like, you know, I also wanted to set a precedent that like, the time there is to be taken. And then I hope that like, as we progress, people that are starting families after me are going to feel like they can take even more time off. And like, that would also be embraced. And hopefully for fathers, like, we would like for fathers to come back and say, you know, the two weeks weren't enough. Like we need more. And like, I know that Peter and the management team are very flexible in adjusting our policies to ensure that they fit the lifestyle of our employees. It's a good starting point for sure. I think. I always say that parental leave is the child. It's not the parents and tying it to one gender or the other. And, you know, and then making the child lose parental leave because the father 
doesn't want to go on parental leave. Well, that, that seems weird in my world because, you know, why should my little son be hurt by the fact that I don't want to take parental leave? Why can't his mom then take that time? That, that's just, to me, something I do not understand. Yeah. Apparently, it's not enough that he's unfortunate enough to be born my son. <laughs> so that's very self-deprecating, Andreas. I'm sure he loves you a lot. Yes, and I am a very big family man. After all, I know that's not what I've. That's not. I, so I don't want to go out and espouse that because I am definitely very fortunate to have my 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 wife and my son are very and daughter are very happy to to have my wife as their mother because she's definitely spending more time with them than I am, and I think it's. I hate people that don't recognize that and act as if they are, you know, as much there as their significant other when in fact they're not. So that's why I'm trying to be a bit self-deprecating here, Seda. <laughs> I have a question and that is again connected to the Frontline article because they wrote in it that Leila Sakna is, you know, one of the, you know, from Kindred is very well known for talking about moving beyond just the concept of maternity, but to family leave and thinking about, you know, the long-term commitment of being a parent. So toddler leave, teenage leave, adult leave, all those things. I love to ask you, and we've talked a bit about grievance leave as well and, and so on, but I'd love to ask you guys, how do you think about that? And are, are you already there where you're making that type of policy or is it more something that is dynamically developed within Target? Well, I mean, the thing is, so I love all the points that Layla touches on, and she's an amazing role model for women, clearly, because she has three kids and she's running one of the most special and high-performing funds in Europe. So huge kudos to her. And obviously, I think it's important to pay attention to what she's saying because, you know, building a family is a lifetime commitment. It doesn't end after the pregnancy and the birth. Like, that's just the beginning. You have then 18 years and then possibly 50 more, depending on how independent you raise your children to be. You know, I know lots of 40-year-olds that still live with their parents. So how much time should those parents be asking for time off? But what I wanted to say is like, that isn't even the only consideration. I would also talk about like, you know, we're also children, right? So our parents are getting older. A lot of us, it's going to fall on us to take care of our elderly parents, right? So like, how do you ask for leave for that? I don't know that many companies that have factored in that component of like aging families and someone being a prime caretaker for that, because that's a huge responsibility. And I think that's something we need to think about. And then, you know, like families look very differently, like, and luckily we live in a time when, you know, you have single family households, you have kids being raised by grandparents, uh, single dads, single moms. Like I think policies need to be cognizant of like the fact that families look and take the shape of many different things. And you need to have policies for every type of scenario so that no one feels like their family structure is any less worthy of having support. I think that's something important to know. And I agree with that. I think to the topic of policies, I think, first of all, I think you said that you made a very important point in terms of saying it's, there's more than parenthood in, in family life. And I 100% agree with that. And I think just thinking also about cases that we had in our firm, what I'm really happy about is, and this is potentially also the origin of policies later on, like we are able as a firm to kind of flexibly decide and be adjustable and appropriate to the situation, right? I think if there is a need, we need to be open. The policy needs to be that we are open to these kind of things and this kind of thinking. And I don't think you're going to be able ever to have policy for every single case and everything in the firm. And this is, again, what I said at the very beginning, 
it is much more important to have this set of culture. And I think I'm very proud to say, because I think we had a lot of cases. Unfortunately, we had people, you know, that were very sick or we had people where their parents passed away. And I think in each of these cases, and this is what I hear a lot from our team, that they're tremendously grateful. And I think this is probably one of our strong sides that the company was supportive of this situation. And, you know, being supportive can mean different things in different situations, and you will never be able to account for all of that in a policy. I mean, you know, some people have more difficult days dealing with relatives passing away. For other people, it is, you know, they would like to get back to work much earlier because, you know, they want to be distracted. So how do you account for all of that in a policy? I think the most important thing is that the leadership has the spirit of family policy and taking into account for whatever life throws at us. And that may be good things in the case of a parental leave policy or a family leave policy, but sometimes it's also harsh things. And I think this is where you need to have the ability to kind of react and adjust and, you know, show the team that you really care about them and their personal situation. And on those words, I want to just say to everyone who's listened in, I hope that this in, this episode was an inspiration for you because I think that it's incredibly important for all of us to be on the forefront here because we are very quick on Twitter and LinkedIn to, to espouse great values. So let's make sure that we do the same in our day-to-day. Let's get into the quick fire round, Seda and Peter. It's been a quite different episode than our usual ones, but I would not cheat you from getting you through this. Are you ready for it? Looking forward. Sure. What advice would you give your 10-year younger self? So 10 years ago, I can tell you I was not married. I was, obviously, I did not have any children. I also was not in the same career track that I am on now, and I think I was very eager to get on that journey. And I think the advice that I would give to everyone is like, first, enjoy your time alone. I think, you know, to put it very bluntly, we enter the world by ourselves and we also leave by ourselves. So like, make sure that you like who you are and that you invest in yourself so that regardless of what happens in life, whether you end up you know, meeting someone and building a family or whether you just end up going through the journey of life by yourself, that you're content in your heart and that you're happy with who you've become. And the second part I would say is definitely slow down. I mean, this is advice I would give myself like from 20 years back because I just remember I couldn't wait to start working. I mean, God, like what a dumb idea, right? I wish I had taken that gap year. I wish I had traveled more, but I was like, no, I need to do this internship. I need to like also like have this part-time job so I have more money so I can go shopping. And it's like all of that stuff just doesn't even make any sense. Like I think taking it easy and like giving yourself the space to just like enjoy little things, like read the books you want to read, spend three months abroad if you can, like just explore and like, I don't know, like try different things. I feel like we get into our career at like 21 and then we work for the next 50 years. And, you know, if we're lucky, we have a nice retirement, but a lot of people like die before they even get to retire. So slowing down is a big thing I think we could all work on. It's so funny. Every One of the things that baffles me the most is how little we as, as a species are able to actually progress in life learnings from generation to generation, because we are all saying the same things to ourselves, you know, the, and to our children, and they're going to say the same thing. Don't rush it. Just, you know, take that gap, your experience life. So it's always interesting. Peter, what would you give yourself if you were to speak to yourself that is 10 years younger? 
well, 10 years ago, I was moving to the Middle East. And I mean, even though probably if you ask people in the firm, I'm still the most hyper person in the firm. I'm never sitting still and uh, taking things very seriously and being very passionate. But I think the most important thing is, and this is something that I really enjoy actually about becoming older and more experienced. I always say, at least in our industry, there's no patient on the table. Okay. So there's no need to, things are not as dramatic as you believe them to be in the context of greater, a greater scheme of life. And I think this is something that is, for me, it's still sometimes hard to embrace. I think you got a lot better at it, but you know, 10 years ago, things were causing me a lot of anxiety that today I, you know, I deal with on a daily basis and I'm not even worried about. And I think, as I always say, I mean, we are just moving money. We're not, uh, we're not saving people's lives. And I think it is very important to kind of uh, understand that no, ma no matter how big the problem, usually it doesn't get as bad as you think it's going to get, or sometimes also not as good as you hope for. But I think it is important to kind of put things into perspective and not make a drama of things that are actually not dramatic in the greatest scheme of uh, life. It's actually funny because hearing you say that really makes me think back to our episode with Shmuel because he said something quite along those lines when we interviewed him about how to uh, navigate the crash that was just beginning back then. So interesting. Anyone you know interested in understanding Target more should go and listen to our episodes with Shmuel as well. So second question, and this is a special one since you're both on the upside. And my question to you is, what is the most important thing in your field of specialty? that you see VCs tend to skirt over too easily? So I'm on the marketing and communication side. And I think what surprises me is how little thought firms give to what exactly they want to achieve through their brand. So I think like everyone is very excited to be on Twitter, to be on LinkedIn, to host events, to write articles. What is the strategy? Like, are you doing that because you want to attract the best founders? Are you doing that because you want to like indicate who you are as a firm? Like, I just think a lot of people are very busy and doing lots of great and actually really impressive work on the marketing side, but I don't always know like that they're doing it with a greater purpose in mind. As the man in the machine room, as I always say, that's supposed to keep the well-oiled machine going. I look, I think actually policy is a good, it's a very obvious answer today, actually. I don't want to say a parental leave policy, but I think I, I want to go a bit further. I think this is an industry that has been has seen a tremendous growth and pace over the last couple of years. And I think it is very easy to overlook the housekeeping, yeah, the kind of housekeeping that we want to do, build proper process, make sure that you have, you know, th processes in place that actually make the form more efficient. And I think this is something that tends to be overlooked, right? Process does not mean bureaucracy. It actually means making sure that people can take decisions and the firm can take decisions efficiently, right? People look at the right stuff. And I think it is very easy also as someone who's lived in the Middle East for 10 years, you know, here also hyper growth is the norm. And then of course, things can easily get messy. And I think we're actually now at a great inflection point where we can use the time to, to keep the house in order. And then I think this is something that can really bring a lot of benefit and maternity policy or parental leave policy is a small aspect of that, but it's actually very symptomatic for that kind of thing. And I think this is at least what we uh, are doing at Target, trying to really, you know, drive the efficiency of the firm, clean up the house, something that you cannot do when the world runs at 210 kmh an hour. And I think that is something that I would really believe is of value at least to us. What's the most counterintuitive thing you've learned in venture? And let's start with you again, Seda. The most counterintuitive thing I've learned is that a successful investor can look 
many, many different ways. And I think this is one of the only careers I've actually seen that be possible in. Because if you look at like doctors or bankers or lawyers, like they all have a very specific skill set. And if they don't really have it, I don't see how they could enter that career. And what I've seen in venture is there's former journalists, there's astrophysicists, there there's the same bankers, there's former doctors, you know, because so much of it is combining art and science. It's like, you're going to meet people who have these amazing, very different skills, but they could each be equally successful. Like if you look at the Midas list, you're going to see a huge diversity in background. And I think that's pretty cool. And one, it's very unique to the industry. In general, I think it is a lot less numbers than I thought and a lot more people in the VC industry than I had anticipated coming into this industry. And it is something that I find wonderful. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Peter, for joining us. It was amazing. Great to be on here. Thanks, Andreas. Been lovely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. And now, some words from our beloved sponsors. How are you currently reporting to your LPs? Is fund administration taking hours? Are you getting lost in spreadsheet version control? Well, Flow solves all of these issues and more, allowing you to unlock the power of your fund's data by consolidating your work streams onto Flow. Book a demo to learn about Flow's portfolio and fund management features and transaction infrastructure at flow.io forward slash VC. F-L-O-W-W forward slash VC. Discover the tech and investment opportunities fueling growth across UAE, MENA, and APMEA regions at Expand, Northstar, and Jitex Global, now the world's largest tech and startup event. Join 1,400 exhibiting startups and 1,000 investors at Dubai Harbor from the 15th to the 18th of October, 2023. To scout for your next big deal, connect with other investors, and meet public and private stakeholders to elevate your fund goals. Co-located with Fintech Surge and Future Blockchain Summit and in association with Jitex Global, you'll be serviced with an agenda over four action-packed days with a curated meetings program, the invite-only investor forum, the Venture Studio and Accelerator Summit and additionally exclusive satellite events for fund managers in town. Don't miss out and register now at expandnorthstar.com forward slash EUVC.